Before I start uh, my message, I, I want to share with you a story uh, that came out during the week. You know, there are a lot of lessons that happen during a week like Vacation Bible School, and they're not all lessons that are taught in the classrooms or, you know, in the hallways or whatever else. Uh, there was a lady, well, her daughter on the first day, her, her poor little daughter was here, and, and I don't know if it was because of nerves, if she would it was, but anyway, she came walking out, you know, like we, they were getting ready to dismiss to go to their areas, and we'd had the opening exercise, and she started walking out toward the back, and I was sitting in the back, and she's, and she got back right near where Jim Perko was back there, and <laughs> And out it came, and she threw up all over the floor. And the mother was devastated. And it's a, a lady uh, who, when our Bibles, Tuesday morning Bible study used to meet on Washington Street at Jeffrey's, uh, she was our server. And uh, she's a wonderful Christian lady. And, uh, but she was devastated that her daughter had thrown up, and she thought, Daughter, did I bring this into the church? And she just was beside herself. So she took her, her kids and went home again, and then her daughter was apparently feeling better. So that evening, um, they went with some friends uh, to uh, Deer Lake. And while they were there, they were digging for some shells. And uh, the other kids from the other family found out just a whole bunch of shells. And her daughters uh, didn't find, they only found four. The older daughter found four. And so the older daughter shared two of those with her little sister, gave, gave her the... the uh, the shells, and uh, then the older daughter lost her shells, and she was just devastated. And they got home that evening, and as a family, they just sat down together and they talked about it. And um, she said, "Well, you know, uh, uh, the dad or the mother—I can't remember which one—said, well, you know, God knows how generous you were and how you shared with your sister, and God, God will bless you because of that. God will will somehow uh, bless you because of your generosity." So then on Tuesday morning they came, and uh, they were here, and at the end of each of our uh, VBS days, uh, they would stand up in the front here, the, the, the leaders, and they would draw names. I think it was like 15 or 17 names that they would draw. The last name that they drew, sorry, <laughs> was this little girl who had thrown up on Monday. And guess what she got? A container with sand and seashells. Full seashells. God teaches us lessons beyond the lessons that we have planned so that he can demonstrate his awesome power, his awesome awareness of who we are and what our needs are. We have an amazing and an awesome God. And we're here today to worship and celebrate him. And I'm going to scratch the surface here a little bit today on on some things. And I I wanted to pick up on the theme that we had this week of of Noah and of faith and and how the kids were learning uh, why we can have faith in an awesome God. And I came across this uh, quote from Warren Wiersbe. He says, The great achievers in history have been men and women who could see the invisible and strive to reach it. Explorers, inventors, 
liberators and pioneer and pioneers in every field have always been characterized by the steady eye that sees the invisible and strives for the seemingly impossible. Well, I want to tell you that I'm not one of those people that can visualize things very well. In fact, I'm very bad at it. When our family uh, gets together, you know, and we're going to uh, build, um, some of you know that um, where we live was uh, originally Ann's mom and dad's camp, um, and so we would build additions onto it that we could live in. And uh, Ann and the and the boy, our two boys would would stand, and they'd be looking at the building, and they're they're talking about building an addition, right? And so they'd be standing there, and, and they're talking about things, and well, yeah, and it would look like this, and it would and it would have this, and it would be that, and it would, and I'm standing there, kind of okay, you know, and they would they would just go on and on with this stuff, and so finally, you know, when they were done, I'd say, okay, now just tell me this. How long do you need the boards cut, and at what angle do you need them cut? I can handle that, but I can't visualize things. I am very, very poor at that. So this week, as we were looking at Noah and building the ark, I'm one of those that, like, when I read the dimensions of the ark, it means absolutely nothing to me. Anybody else like that, or am I the only one? Yeah, you know, you, you read these numbers and it's like, okay, that's kind of cool. It's kind of neat, you know. I, I can understand that those. It's pretty big, you know. And um, so I, I was thinking as I was doing that, and I was thinking about that whole chapter on faith and what's involved with that, and the ability for people to receive a call to do something special for God, and yet they really couldn't see exactly what it was that God had in front of them for them to do. So, you know, I, I, look, at, you know, I look at something like this, and I see that, and I say, okay, yeah, that's kind of cool. Um, yeah, I can see the dimensions there. I have no clue. <laughs> I just, I frankly have no clue. Uh, I, I take out my, my ruler, and I measure it off, and I do the stuff, and then I can see, now, okay, now it's starting to make sense. So, we're talking about the ark this week. And so how many of you think that the ark looks something like this? <laughs> Thanks, Olivia. I knew there had to be somebody who would. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Thank you. <laughs> you know, this is, isn't this how the ark kind of has been portrayed, though? Right? I mean, if you think about around church and when somebody does a picture of the ark, it's usually, and this, I thought this one was kind of a silly one because uh, Noah's concerned about the beavers who are chewing up the front of the ark. <laughs> so uh, I, I thought that was kind of neat. Well, here's some, some um, pictures of uh, people, you know, some arcs that have been built. And, um, and as you look at the one on the left there, uh, that's. You can see that's kind of big, right? Um, the one on the right, you can also see is kind of big. I, I just see there's a couple of boats up there, you know? And, and so this week, uh, Kathy had a little uh, a model of, a, of an ark, you know? So we were looking at that, and it was about this big. And, okay, that's kind of cool, but it still doesn't give me an, any idea of size. Well, then came across this picture, and if you look at the equipment in the back there, 
you know, in the, in, in the back, you can see that, man, this is really, this is really huge. And this is one that is being built right now in, uh, at the Creation Museum. In fact, I just got some information on that yesterday and uh, looking forward. I think we're going to have to take a trip to go down there. Um, that's pretty amazing, though. Look at the size of that equipment and how big that thing is. That still doesn't really tell me anything. No, I'm serious. You know, I, because visually, I mean, I can see it's huge, right? So I'm the kind of person that says, okay, like, let's go out and figure it out. Okay, let's kind of go and take a look. So we did that this week. We went out and we took a look to see how big it was. So uh, Lucas Nelson helped me measure out. So according to our materials, and it depends on which version of the Bible and how you read it, but it's around the area of 510 feet long and 85 wide. So this is 85 feet wide. So I'm standing uh, on, as you see the little X down in the bottom here, and my truck is the other end of the 85 feet. So that's... Kind of, you can see all of the different parking spots. If you kind of envision cars parked in there, you can kind of get a feel for that, right? Well, then we measured off the 510 feet. And so I'm standing on an X. And if you look in the upper right-hand corner, you can see the roof of that building up there. And you look just this side of it. Can you see the stop sign? Can you make out the little, can you make out the red stop sign? Look at the green trees and just to the, to the side of the green trees. About where I'm standing, taking this picture to that stop sign is about 510 feet long. That's how long Noah's Ark was. That's pretty far, isn't it? I mean, I can understand that when I walked it. We walked it as, as, as uh, leaders and kids, and we, we, you know, we went down there. And I'm looking at that, and I can see that red stop sign up there, and that's pretty far. And I tried to zoom in, but I couldn't get it in any closer. So the other dimension that was kind of interesting was how high, how tall is the ark? So the ark is about 50 feet high. Okay, how high do you think this peak of the ceiling is here? No, you can't be picked. You already know the answer. How many people think that that's 20 feet? More than 20 feet? How many people think it's 30 feet? Oh, you guys are pretty good. It's 30 feet. So 50 feet is higher than 30, right? At least when I try to do math, but I'm not very good at it. So... We put together, this week was my wife's birthday, so I borrowed her. Are you going to go? Keep going. Keep going. The ceiling is 30 feet up to the point, up to the peak, approximately. We, we measured, you know, the best we could. So that's 30 feet. But look at It's 50 feet to the top of the ark. Now, can you, can you picture the dimensions of the length that I talked about? 50 feet, about three stories inside of it, 50 feet high. People have this vision of the ark as this little boat. And they wonder, how in the world could Noah have gotten all of those animals on the ark? 
The ark was huge. The ark was an amazing boat that was built. In Hebrews chapter 11, if you want to turn there, in Hebrews chapter 11, we're given information about a number of heroes of the faith from years past. And I, I didn't list them all, but just a few of them. Uh, Enoch, uh, Cain, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Abel, not Cain. Abel, Enoch, um, Isaac, Jacob, Esau, Joseph. Joseph, one of my favorite characters um, in, in the Bible. Um, it's talked about, and his faith is amazing. Uh, Moses, is, Moses uh, Rahab, the prostitute, and many others. The two that I want to concentrate on today, and we're not going to spend a lot of time on them, but just a couple of, of people. One is Noah. So I was talking, thinking about Noah as I was looking at this. And if you look, if you're in chapter 11, look at verse 7. It says, By faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his family, by his faith, I'm sorry, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. One of the other interesting lessons that came out this week is one of the, the little children, when they were having a discussion later on, said, why would God, who loves people, have killed all of those people? Kids think pretty deeply. Because, I, I don't know about you, but I, I concentrate on those that God saved through the ark. Noah and his family. And to be honest, I hadn't even thought about those who perished. But think about what the Dawes shared with us about what's happening in Orlando. Somebody has to think about those people who are hated enough that somebody goes and kills them. But you know, God has made a provision for even those people. God loves them, and he has made a provision for them. and He's made a provision for us as well. And he does it through Noah, we're going to look and we're going to see uh, some other ways. But as we were talking about the ark and we were talking about the things that uh, Noah did and how he built the ark, it says that he built the ark in holy fear. Now, Julie kind of described briefly a little bit about what the word fear in the Bible says. And so I looked it up to see what fear, holy fear, really is all about. And... Everybody who, all of the theologians who tried to describe it, went on and on and on in paragraphs. Because it's so much more than we usually make it out to be. We make it out to be, you know, well, in honor and awe and, you know, that sort of thing. And it is all of those things. But it's so much more. It's so much bigger than that. The fear of God is recognizing that God is far superior to anything that we can imagine. And the phone, no, I'm sure. And, and, and God knows the beginning from the end. He knows everything 
there is to know. And when Noah has a fear of God, it's a holy fear. It's a fear of reverence and respect. But he does it even though it doesn't even make sense. Does it make sense to you? Think about this, right? Noah is told, build this ark, build this boat. That's 510 feet long, 85 feet wide, 50 feet high. And I'm going to send a whole bunch of animals there, and they're going to come in, and you're going to have to feed them for a year on this boat. It doesn't make human sense whatsoever, does it? Does it seem logical to you to, to go and to build something that's going to take 20 to 40 years? Think about that. 20 to 40 years of his life to build this boat to save himself and the other people. He, he can't see the end. They hadn't had rain. They hadn't had floods. They hadn't had natural disasters. Got up this morning looking at the news, natural disasters all over the country, things that are happening. We can look at that and we say, wow, we need a boat. Right? I mean, we need an ark. Because there are a lot of things that are happening, but Noah had none of that to reference. And yet he took 20 to 40 years of his life some people have said 120 years, and I think that's a, 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 a taking Scripture out of context. It's 20 to 40 years based on the ages of, the, of his sons, and if you do a study on that, you can see that. 20 to 40 years, he's going to build a boat. It's 510 feet long, 85 feet wide, and five story, three stories high, 50 feet. And, and more modern uh, people have said uh, a boat like that wouldn't even float. It's the wrong dimensions. By the way, I looked up the Titanic. The Titanic is 880 feet long, was, and 95 feet wide. That doesn't seem to have dimensions that make sense either. God knows. And Noah, a man who was righteous, who was following God, makes a decision... To obey God in holy reverence and holy fear of this God. And he built an ark. And to me, it's an amazing act of faith that doesn't make sense. Except when we recognize who God is. Our God is an awesome and amazing God. He is worthy of us having faith in because he is a faithful God. Even when the world tells us that doesn't make sense, it doesn't make sense for you to believe that somebody went and died on a cross for you and to take away your sins. That doesn't make sense, humanly speaking. But God said, I so love you that I'm going to send my son to die on that cross for you. And by faith, we believe. 
Yes, you know, we can make the arguments, and, and there are some many, many good scientific arguments about and, and, and proofs that Jesus Christ existed, that he lived, uh, that, he, that he was buried, even that he was raised again. But the world is yelling in our ears saying, no, no, he's not the only way. But by faith, we must believe that Jesus Christ is who God said he is. Well, I wanted to share one other person from here, from this list, and that's Abraham. And if you look at verse 8 in chapter 11, it says this, By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. There's another one, isn't it? Does that make sense to you? So, so here he is. He's in a. He's with his family, right? And, um, oops, I'm sorry, went too far. There we go. Uh, he's with his family. He's apparently fairly well to do because they have possessions. He has slaves. He has a lot of stuff, and he's with his family. And God says. Hey, Abraham, I want you to do something. I want you to just come and follow me, and I'm going to lead you someplace. And, and you know what it doesn't say in the Scripture? God, no, or Abraham doesn't say, well, God, where are you taking me? <laughs> he says, I'm going to take you someplace, and, and that's going to be your inheritance. And, and, and you're going to have, you know, later on, he says, you're going to have many descendants. And it's, it's an awesome thing. But does that make sense? To just up and leave everything that you have, everybody that you have, and follow after what God is telling you to go and do. But by faith, that's why it's called the faith chapter in Hebrews, by faith, Abraham, he doesn't argue with God, he doesn't debate with God, he doesn't question God, he doesn't even have a conversation that we can see, but rather he takes his wife, and he takes his nephew, and he takes some of his stuff that he can take with him, some of the animals and some of the things, and he takes off and goes to a place. And he had no clue where he was going. When you read things like this, do you ever do what I do? I'm kind of revealing to you my mind here a little bit, right? That's how I look at these things. I Wait a second. Why would you do that? Why would you build this big boat? Why would you go and follow somebody, or, or in this case, God, but why would you go and, 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 and take off and go someplace? That's, you have no clue where you're going. Sometimes when I read things like that, and I, then I, I've shared this with you before, I, I also like to kind of like, okay, put it in my own, my own context. Most of you know my story about when I got called here to the church. I had been a police officer for 26 years. Um, my identity was cop. <laughs> That's who I was. That's what I was. Anna and I had this conversation. Uh, we went to the Vietnam Memorial Wall, and uh, one of my old partners was there. And, 
he, he's still, his vision is still cop, the way he sees himself. I mean, he, you know, he just really gets wrapped up. And, but, but I, I was a police officer. I loved my, I loved my work. Uh, I was very involved in the church, but I was still a police officer. And God called me from that into ministry. In fact, he, he, he called me and he said, I want you to go and, and be a pastor at the church. And I was like, wait a second, <laughs> time out. I, I'm not a pastor, I'm a cop. And, and, and you, most of you have heard the story, and, and eventually I realized that God was the one who was calling. And by faith, I had to make a decision that I was going to leave my career as a police officer that I was going to leave something that I loved, that I was committed to, that I had done, that was my identity. And I left that and came here. The church, not, that's not a big, that's not a big uh, act of faith in a lot of ways. And yet for me, it, it certainly was something that called me out of my comfort zone. I'll be honest with you, even on a morning like today when I get up in the front and my responsibility is to share the word of God with you, I'm overwhelmed. It is not something that I take lightly. And I don't feel qualified to do it. But I trust God enough to know that in spite of myself, in spite of my weaknesses, in spite of the things that are my limitations, God can use his word in wonderful and powerful ways in spite of me. And God took a man like Abraham. And in spite of himself, he took him and and he showed him where to go. And he blessed him and he made many nations from him. And then you go back to Noah and, and by faith he built an ark which saved his family. And saved mankind. To me, that's pretty overwhelming to even think about. Drop down with me to verses 39 and 40 of chapter 11. As I shared, as I mentioned earlier, this is the faith chapters giving us wonderful examples. And that's one of the things that's really wonderful about the Bible the Bible doesn't take all perfect people and show us them as examples, but, but these are men who by faith acted and did things that God had called them to do. The whole chapter 11 is filled with examples and models of that. And here's what it says in verse 39 about those people. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. Think about that. They all did this as an act of faith, but they didn't receive what was promised. Verse 40, God had planned something better for us. Aren't you glad that God thought of something better for us? I don't want to have to go and build an ark. I don't want to have to go to a land that I've never been and I don't understand. Would I do it if God called me? Sure. But God has something better for us. He's planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. What's he talking about here? What what are these verses 
referring to. Of course, this is in the New Testament, so, so we know that this is after uh, Jesus Christ had come. And after Jesus Christ had died on that cross. And after Jesus Christ had been buried in the ground for three days and God had raised Jesus Christ back to life. That's the promise. Jesus Christ is our ark. He's our boat to take us into heaven for eternity. He's our only way for us to get to God's heaven. When the floodwaters come, when when destruction comes, we have that strong anchor, Jesus Christ, who we can hold on to, who gives us the promise of eternal life through his finished work upon that cross. Let's look at a couple of verses that help us to see that. If you would turn in, if you want to turn there, uh, Romans chapter 10, verses 16 and 17. We, we see a little bit of uh, a lesson here in terms of what's required. In Romans chapter 10, I told you to turn there and I should have turned myself. Verses 16 and 17. But not all the Israelites accepted the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. The message here is the message of salvation through his finished work on the cross. It's the gospel message. Faith comes from hearing the gospel message and believing by faith that it's true. And when we believe by faith that Jesus Christ is our means of, only means of salvation, then we have that promised inheritance, much as Abraham did as he, as he followed God off to a place that he didn't know. It's a promise and a hope that we have, and it's only found in one way, and that's through Jesus Christ. But what's interesting in the beginning of that, what, uh, that I read is, but not all of the Israelites accepted the good news. Folks, you and I know that there are people here today, maybe in this congregation, certainly when you leave here and you go out and you visit with neighbors and friends, who will not believe by faith that Jesus Christ is who he said he is. Our only means of salvation. But you know what's really cool about that? Had a conversation about this with somebody this week. It's not your job or mine to convince those people. I don't have to force them to understand. God has given us the Holy Spirit who reveals the truth to people. And they have the opportunity to believe. My job, my mission is to do what Doug and Lori talked about, to go and share the good news. I don't have to convince them. But by faith, they can receive that inheritance. Some will reject. Some will accept. 
The second thing that I'd like to share is from Romans 1.20. If you turn back there, just a couple of chapters back. 1.20 says this. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made. It's another one of those, but read the rest. So He's made it clear, right? Everybody should be able to see it, so that men are without excuse. When you have heard the gospel message, you have a choice. You accept it or you reject it. But if you reject it, you are now without excuse because you have heard the message. And I don't know about you, but that can be a pretty scary thought. To think about the people that I have shared the good news with. People that I have talked to about Jesus Christ who have flat out rejected it. I don't want to hear about that. They are, according to this scripture, without excuse. We spend a lot of time here during Vacation Bible School encouraging young people to hear the message. But we don't force them to make a decision. We give them an opportunity to make a decision. But it's God who has to call them, who has to, by faith, draw them into a saving knowledge of Him. Our mission, our goal, our job there is to share the good news. But it's Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes and reveals the truth to be accurate and true. But again... That can be kind of scary because there might be some of those who reject and say, no, I refuse to believe that. I refuse to turn to that. Go back into Hebrews again, if you would. Hebrews uh, chapter 11 again. Verse 6. says this, and without faith it is impossible to please God. What does please God mean? It means to to be right with Him. Without faith it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. We must believe that message. We must go to Him. Belief means we have to have faith that it's true. Well, what is it that we have to believe from these verses? We have to, first of all, believe that God exists and that Jesus Christ exists. We have to believe in God. The second thing, we have to come to him. Both of those require faith. Both of those require that by faith we will believe that God exists. God in three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We must believe that by faith. And once we have believed that, we must come to him 
in belief that he is who he said he is. We must say, yes, Jesus, I agree that you are God, that you are the only way to God's heaven. You've heard me say before, there are, you know, you hear in the world today, there are many roads that lead to heaven, and that's true. The problem is there's only one way to get in. There's only one gate. There's only one gatekeeper, and that's Jesus Christ. And the rest who come there on these many roads will be sent away. Just like those people in Noah's day who, who were scoffing and doubting and, and criticizing, ridiculing Noah as he built this ark. They rejected the one and only way to stay alive. And we have one and only way to get into God's heaven and spend eternity with him. That's through the finished work of Jesus Christ. And our faith brings a confidence in God. The more we see God working out the truth of the things of God, the better we are. So, where does our faith come? Our faith even comes from God alone. And we've got to rejoice and celebrate him. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to keep you all so, wait, so long. But uh, God will give you the faith. He will also give the faith to the people who need it. With that, we're going to do a quick offering. Come on up, get us started on the last song. Ushers come, we'll do an offering. You'll be dismissed at the end of the song. Thank you.